Well, good morning, church. Hope you're awake. I'm awake. That's, that's a good sign. All right, Ephesians chapter 3, please. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians 3, we're going to, um, I want to read verse 19. We've already kind of read the passage, but I want to just read verse 19 as we get into this thought today. So verse 19 says, And to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. I'm going to pray just quickly, and then we'll get straight into it. Lord, we're thankful for the opportunity to be in church today. I just pray that... As we look at this passage and a few others, I pray that you'll please just help us to learn something from it and be encouraged and may your word do what it needs to be done this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. That this passage that was just read this morning um, is a passage that um, I was, I guess, privileged to speak on at the conference. Um, I spoke in the last men's session on Wednesday now, those men that are here that were there that day, don't worry, it's not the same message, all right? You're not going to preach the same thing. On, on that particular Wednesday, I preached this message and leading up in, in, in preparation, I had, had read this passage in verse 19, stuck out to me for several weeks. And then when Pastor Hernan asked me to speak, I felt like that verse 19 was the main thought that I was supposed to uh, preach on. Now, it was probably one of the most hardest times of, of uh, preparation that I've ever had. Where I started from is nowhere where I finished at. So the message that I wanted to preach or the, that the points that I had in mind just would not work. They would not flow. I couldn't get anything to work. I couldn't study about it. And then it wasn't until the weekend of the conference, must have been Saturday night, I woke up middle of the night, and as, I, as my mind obviously came awake, certain thoughts were in my head and I wrote them down in my phone to just start making some notes and that's what happened for the Wednesday afternoon. Um, that basically, uh, I'll kind of give you a bit of a, a summary of that because I won't be preaching that, but I want you to, I guess, kind of get that. Verse 14, Apostle Paul says, for this cause I bow my knees under the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's starting to pray for the, for the church at Ephesus. He thought it was very important to pray for them. And some of the things that he prayed about in verse, uh, verse 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That's a, that is a really good thing to pray for. Verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you're being rooted and grounded in love. So that's a really good thought as well. Maybe able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, the depth and height. And then to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. And then he prays that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now that is a fantastic prayer, but I shared on that Wednesday for most church members, that isn't the case. That isn't what we're filled with. And I guess I opened up a little bit and, and became very vulnerable because even with me, I'm so often filled with so many other things rather than the fullness of God. And I went through some things and, and then as, as Pastor had, had asked me to preach this Sunday, this is the, still the same passage that was on my mind and then what I originally had wanted to uh, preach on now started to flow. And the, the, the points that I originally wanted to think about 
which gave me a mental block for the conference, now started to open up. So I was able to, I guess, kind of do something that I originally thought. And it may be a little bit shorter this morning, but uh, as they say, when you finish saying what you need to say, you just stop and sit down. And, and that's what I'm going to do. So, <laughs> so the thought is, what are we being filled with? And how do we get to being filled with the fullness of God? Put your hand up if you'd like to be filled with the fullness of God. I think I would. I think that's, if it was Paul's prayer that he was praying for the Ephesians, that he would want to see them being filled with the fullness of God, then it's obviously an important thing. I don't want to be filled with just me. I don't want to be filled with self. I don't want to be filled with the stuff of this world. And I don't want to be, definitely don't want to be filled with sin. I want to be filled with the fullness of God. So how do we get that? So I guess this maybe is a part two of, of that message. How do we get to, the, to being filled with the fullness of God? Now, I don't have any just follow A, B and C and you'll be the great Christian filled with everything. But there are some things, there are some truths found in the Word of God that we can apply if we would allow God to, uh, as that prayer is prayed, it's an ongoing thing in our lives. Okay? As we're strengthened, as we're understanding things, it's an ongoing process, and it's a lifelong process. I can't say next week if I follow these verses and these thoughts that I'm going to be filled completely the way God wants me to. But hopefully, through my life's journey, as God brings things into my life and as he, as he teaches me things and, and as he brings people into my life, hopefully, I can develop some of these things that Paul was praying about. And it's interesting, we're going to look at um, some passages in Galatians and John and then, and then also in Ephesians as well. But some of them, they kind of complement each other. And I found some, some things that are similar in each. So that's why I think they're important. So the first thing that we can do to be filled with the fullness of God is firstly to be filled with Christ. To be filled with Christ. Let's have a look in Galatians chapter 2. We're going to read just a couple of verses there. Galatians, or one verse. Galatians 2. You're already in Ephesians. Just one book back. Galatians 2 and verse 20. It says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. So if Christ is going to live in you, if he's inside, if he's at, at that point of salvation when we trust Christ for our salvation, the Bible indicates that he, he, he lives and indwells in us. And the life which I now live in the flesh, this earthly life, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I just want to leave it at that. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless... I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. For you to be able to be filled with the love of God, with the fullness of God, you need to have Christ living or being filled with him um, in your life. The, the key there, in the second part of verse 20, it says, the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. The first thing, if you're going to be filled with Christ, is you need to live by faith. Do you live a life of faith? Do you live trusting and believing what God says? 
Let's have a look now also in John 15. There will be a couple of verses that we will, we will look at. John 15. This thought of Christ living in us. If he's there, he'll be filling us. John 15. We're going to read from verse 1 to verse 8. This is the passage where Jesus talks about the, about the vine and the branches and the fruit and everything else that goes with it. It says, I am the true vine in verse 1 and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth much fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you. That, ha- that kind of has that idea of Christ living in us. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I'm the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Verse 6, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered and men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. This sort of Christ living in us or Christ filling us has the same thought as us abiding in Christ and he in us. And in this particular passage, there are some things that are very evident and very clear that if we are to be able to live by faith or abide in Christ or being filled with Christ, there are some things there that we must learn and understand. The first thing I see is found in verse 5 and verse 7. The Bible says there, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. In verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. To be able to live by faith, we need to be able to be directed by the word of God and bring forth fruit. That's what we're supposed to do. If you want to be filled with God, you need to be able to trust God's word and bring forth some fruit. Doesn't Ephesians, when we read in Ephesians chapter 3, I'm going to quickly just turn back there for one second, verse 16 says that he would grant you according to the riches of his, of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. As we are filled with Christ, as we listen to the word of God, as we abide in him, guess what happens? As Christ fills us, we start to be strengthened within the inner man. To me, that was a revelation. My spiritual body needs to be strengthened and I cannot do that on my own. No matter, of, no matter of physical exercise, cannot build my inner man, cannot build my spiritual man. I may be able to develop um, the, the strength of my body and obviously you can tell by over the years I've, I've done that, um, an amazing job of that. But, but the inner man needs to be strengthened by God. I can't strengthen the inner man by watching the television. I can't strengthen the inner man by watching YouTube. 
but it's by the word of God. As we listen and read and apply and come to church and be around the things of God, then our inner man starts to become strengthened and that's just what we're supposed to do. That's what we do. If you want to live by faith, the word of God is paramount, directed by the word of God. And then the whole idea is not just to get knowledge, but then to apply that knowledge and to bring forth fruit. That's what we're supposed to do as Christians. So if you want to be filled with Christ and live by faith and allow him to indwell in you, you must allow his words to be paramount in, in your life. I know at conference that was preached and there was conviction upon my heart about how much Bible I read. It's so easy to get distracted by so many other things. So many other things in this world want to take your time, whether it be work, whether it be your own flesh, whether it be whatever it is, there are so many things. And the Bible is paramount. That is what we do. Verse uh, 4 and verse 5 of John 15, the Bible says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. That's very important. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. But notice what it says, for without me you can do nothing. The second thing I want you to know about this, it's not just what we do, but it's how we do it. Delivered by the power of God. If you want to be able to be an effective and growing and being filled with Christ, you need to do it not in your own strength, but just if you don't abide in Christ, you can't do anything. It's got to be his strength. It's got to be his power. It's got to be his ability in you to do it. I can't resist temptation on my own. I just can't do it. I'm fleshly. I'm a man. I, I can't gain the victories on my own. I can only do so much. You can only determine so much in your mind before you get to a point where you can't go any further. And it needs to be through the power of the Holy Ghost where we can do that. Notice in um, Ephesians chapter 3 again and verse 16. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit. It's through the power of the Holy Ghost that we can strengthen the inner man, that we can choose to do the right thing, that we can develop and grow our inner man, that we can be filled with Jesus Christ. It's because of his power. And when we understand that, because so often I think we try to do things in our own strength. We try and know that something's wrong or know we should be developing a certain thing in our life and we'll make a plan, if I just just do this, it'll happen. And then when it doesn't happen, we feel guilty, we feel bad, we feel like we're a failure, we feel like, how can I ever do this in this Christian life? And because we're doing it in our own strength. We need to be able to understand that it's in the power of the Holy Ghost. It's the power of God that allows us to do what we're supposed to do, bring forth fruit. And then I want you to notice in, in, in John chapter 15 and then in verse 8, this is the why we need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. We've, we've looked at the what we do, how we do it, and then why we do it. Verse 8 says, thinking about the vine, the branches, abiding, bringing forth fruit, Verse 8 says, herein is my Father glorified, 
Wow, that's a, just a simple statement. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. The whole reason why we do this is not to just better ourselves as a Christian, not to make ourselves feel more, uh, more important or feel like we're a better Christian, but the whole purpose that we want to bring forth fruit, that we want to be filled with Christ and be filled with all the fullness of God is not for us, but ultimately for God. Herein is our Father glorified. In Ephesians chapter 3, we didn't read verse 20 and 21, but I will now. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. And, and there is that power again that we mentioned. Unto him be glory in the church by, Jesus, by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. The whole reason why we do all this, the whole reason why Paul wanted to pray for the church at Ephesus to be filled with all the fullness of God and all the different aspects of that that he was praying for is not for them just to be able to say, hey, have a look at how great a church we are, but that God would be glorified. Every time you make a decision for Christ, it's not really for you, it's for God. When, when God challenges you about something, whether it's a call on your life to do something, it isn't for you, it's for him. When, when, when God encourages you to dedicate your children, it's not for you, it's for him. When God calls out a sin in your life that you need to repent upon, it isn't just that, that you're better, it's that he can, be, he can use you for him. We need to understand that Christian life is not for us. I think so often we get so self-centred within our Christian life that we forget the whole reason why we're here is for Christ or, or is for God. So there's some simple truths. Firstly, to be filled with Christ is to live by faith. Now in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 17 and verse 18, we come to... The second important part of being filled with Christ, not only to live by faith, but to love in faith. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, that ye may know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge." These verses indicate love is, is one of those important things. If, if you're going to be filled with Christ, you're going to have to really know love. Rooted and grounded in love. I bet you, if I was to ask you to fill out a survey, what is love to you? I bet you we would get a whole, a whole bunch of answers. Depending on where you're at, depending on what you think I want to know, you might take the spiritual side and tell me all the spiritual things about love. Or you might get just generally love is just my feelings towards someone. You get a whole bunch of answers. But when Christ starts to fill your heart, when he starts to indwell in you, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. As Christ starts to fill that void in your life, and as you start to grow, you get grounded and rooted in the right sort of love. 
What I see in Christ is that the right sort of love is not love for self, but love for others. Because ultimately, that's what Christ displayed on the cross. When he came down from heaven, he was born as a man. He went to a death that he knew was going to happen. And he said, not my will, but the Father's will be done. And he willingly went to the cross. We know because he is 100% God, could have gotten down off the cross, could have, could have just within his word or thought fixed all of sin just like that. He could have done whatever he wanted, but because for his love of mankind, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It's all about the right sort of love. And as a Christian, as Christ starts to indwell in you and starts to fill you, the right sort of love should start to develop. The love for others. No matter who they are. Doesn't the Bible say we're supposed to love our enemies? But you don't know what they do to me, Brother Paul, at work. They pick on me. They call me names. They call me preach. Or they call me whatever. Whatever weird names. Who's ever been called a name at work? I have. You get, you, you get labelled with something and, and sometimes they laugh at you. Sometimes you'll be the butt of their jokes. And Whoops. Sorry. Sometimes you'll be the butt of their jokes and, 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 and you start to feel small and, and sometimes we, we can take it for a bit, but when it happens all the time, we get pretty discouraged. The Bible says the right sort of love, if we're going to be rooted and grounded in love, those things, a love for those people will start to change. We won't see them as enemies anymore. We'll see them as potential Christians, people that Christ died for. And it's really hard. It's hard living in this world when, when, when things are against us and God says we're supposed to love. Now, I can't say that I've mastered that. I, I'm, I'm still at the, at the baby stage of the right sort of love in my life. Because there are some people I just can't stand. I'm telling just as it is, that's where I'm at. So God's trying to teach me something. But I'm supposed to, the love that is supposed to be grounded in my life is the right sort of love. It's not just a feeling, it's a sacrificial love that we're supposed to have for others. Living, uh, living by faith, loving by faith. Then uh, verse 18 goes on a little bit deeper and it says that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height of Christ's love. Man, that's a big love to understand. And we have a whole lifetime for Christ to teach us about it, to develop it. And as Christ gains more fullness in your life, you might find one day a little bit of more of God's love will be revealed and you'll start to be able to uh, understand a little bit more because it does talk about there and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. All right, we need to be able to understand God's love a little bit more. All right, so that's the first part. If you want to be filled with all the fullness of God, firstly, be filled with Christ. Sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? But it's not easy to do. Second one, and, and this one's even harder for me to be able to preach on because it's so, it's so deep. I'm going to get really deep with you folks. Be filled with the Spirit. <gasps> oh, going with the Spirit now. Okay, Ephesians chapter 5. Now, I'm, I, one thing I know about me is I'm a very simple guy. So my preaching is very simple. I'm not going to go deep into the things of the Spirit. I'll leave that up to Pastor if he wants to go there. I'm just going to give you some simple thoughts. Ephesians 5, we're going to start in verse 15. And we'll stop in verse 
20. It says, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Mm, very clear, be filled with the Spirit. Then it goes on to say in verse 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I will do verse 21, submitting yourselves unto one another in the fear of God. The second thing I want you to understand today, if you're going to be filled with all the fullness of God, the right sort of filling needs to take place. The first one was being filled with Christ. The second one is being filled with the Spirit. Now, in this particular passage, we will mainly just stay in these verses. There's plenty we could look at in other places. But I just want to have a look at what this particular passage, and we will have a look at one other uh, passage right at the end. The first thing I want you to notice is that what the Bible teaches in this passage, we're supposed to walk or, or live circumspectly. The word circumspectly has the idea of carefully and cautiously. We're supposed to live a certain way in, in this world. Verse 15 says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. One of the things that the Holy Spirit gives us when he starts to fill our lives, he starts to give us wisdom in making decisions for Christ, making decisions about life. I can't stress this enough. I by no means have enough filling of, of the Holy Spirit. But have you ever had times when the Spirit just speaks to you about a certain thing at a certain time and when you listen to that, things work out really great? There have been times where I've, I've shared this before, there have been times when I've wanted to say something to somebody and it's been the right, probably the right thing to do but the Spirit says, be quiet. Do not say what you want to say. And sometimes in your own flesh you think, but I need to say it. I want to say it. It's the right thing to say. And the Spirit says, do not, it's very clear. It's not just a matter of being scared to say it. I'm happy to say it. But sometimes the Spirit has said, do not say it. And I've listened to that. And then within half an hour, somebody else has said the same thing and it's worked out fine. And I felt like the Spirit said, don't you say it because it won't turn out fine if you say it. Sometimes I, the way I say things sometimes, I, I joke around a lot. Some of you know that. Some of you are like, oh, you joke? I, I joke around a lot. And sometimes, sometimes I can say things and sometimes it can be taken the wrong way and maybe I can offend somebody. And sometimes the Holy Spirit just says, have some wisdom, listen to me. And I want you to understand that being filled with the Spirit you get to be wise, or he, he, will, he will help you to have some wisdom at the right time. There are other times he says, say something, and sometimes you just have to say it, or you just have to do something, or you, have you ever been prompted to, uh, as you're thinking, you're just working away, and somebody pops into your head, and you think, I haven't thought about them for a week, or I don't even know why I thought about them. Sometimes it's the Spirit says, pray for them, or give them a call, or go and visit them, or, or do something but the Spirit will give the wisdom to know what to do. That, that is part of it. Not as 
not as fools, walk circumspectly, walk cautiously and carefully, not as fools, but as wise. Then it goes on and talks about redeeming the time because the days are evil. The Spirit will help us make the choices, the right choices about what we do with our time. It's very important. But the point that I really want to get onto is being led by the Spirit. This is where the filling happens, being led by Him. I'm going to read uh, verse 17. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. God wants you to be filled enough to start understanding some things. As you grow in your Christian life, as, as you're reading the Bible, as you're listening in church, God will start to reveal some things to help your understanding of him. That's a great part of being filled with the Holy Spirit. You get to start learning some things, understanding what God's will is. Then verse 18, he goes on to say, and, and this is the part where it talks about being filled with the Spirit. Verse 18, and, and this verse can be very controversial, but I'm going to give you Mr. Haycock's simple take on this verse about wine. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Why are those two verses put together in the same, like those two thoughts put together in the one verse? One's talking about wine, one's talking about the Spirit. And I thought to myself, as I was thinking about it and contemplating, how do I... This is the passage, what do I say about this? The first part of verse 18, be not drunk with wine. Does that sound like a spiritual thing? Or does that sound like a fleshly thing? A fleshly thing. To me, that, that verse is saying, be not fleshly, but be, but be filled with the Spirit. Whether he's using, whether it's an exact thing about wine, but to me, the whole thought about wine is, that's something I do in the flesh. So be not in the flesh, but be filled with the Spirit. He could have said, be not filled with gambling, wherein is excess. Or he could be, be not filled with adultery. All those things are in the flesh. But he's chosen to put the wine there. And I'm going to just, just say that we need, as we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we need to be able to reject the wrong influences in our life. The things that are going to cause us to stumble, the things that are going to cause us to be weak as a Christian, the Holy Spirit will start to fill us and start to show us those things are wrong for you. Whether it's drinking alcohol, whether it's gambling, whether it's watching stuff on the TV, whatever it is, if, if the Spirit says this is wrong for you, then we need to reject those things. Be not drunk with wine. Be not filled with the flesh but be filled with the Spirit. Now you might say, oh, Brother Paul, you know, says, I need, don't drink when, in excess, I can drink a little. That's not what, I don't think that's even what it's talking about. It's not talking about how much alcohol you can drink. It's talking about the influence of the flesh. Don't be, be not drunk, be not filled with the flesh, but be filled with the Spirit. It's pretty clear. I'm not going to debate, but that's, how I, that's what I get out of that verse. We need to reject the wrong influences. Each one of us have got wrong influences in our life. I have. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying I don't. We all have them. There are things that, that influence us day in and day out. 
And it's when we start to be filled with the Spirit, the Spirit will say, that is a problem or that is a thing that is going to cause you to stumble. It may not be stumbling you now, but it may be as you continue in it, it becomes a stumbling block. It becomes a thing that will draw you or, or push out the Holy Spirit's filling. You may enjoy it. It may be good for you. You may think this is fantastic, this thing. But if God says it's not allowing the Spirit to be filled, then it's a problem. Be not drunk. Be not filled with that, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. But be filled with the Spirit. Once we do that, once we start, the Spirit starts to, I guess, fill us and lead us. We understand what God's will is. We're rejecting the wrong influence. Then verse 19 and verse 20 and verse 21 gives us, as the Spirit, Spirit starts to fill, there are some things that will start happening. Let's have a look. Verse 19. We're going to notice, I've tried to make these all start with A, so forgive the first word. A new ambience. That's a, that's a very spiritual ambience. You've never heard that in a message. A new ambience. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart, to the Lord. Interesting that as I was reading that, it talks about in your heart. It doesn't even need to be sung outside. It doesn't need to be speaking to you, speaking to yourselves. It can be to you, but it can be to me as well. As I, as I read a psalm, as I read a hymn, as I start to sing it, have you ever gone, been found a really enjoyable hymn that you've sung on Sunday and then Monday, Tuesday, you start singing it in your head? Isn't that good? I'd rather that happen than hear something on the radio and then that gets stuck in my head, which can happen if, you, if, if it's on, you hear, no matter where you are, you're on, on the job sites, in the shopping centre, something pops in your head and then it's there and you think, oh, that old song from the 80s. And then you, then you start, rem- yeah, anyway. You, it can be there, a new ambience, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart of the Lord. That is what's supposed to happen when the Spirit starts to fill your life. The things that you start doing and you start thinking about in your mind and in your heart start to become more spiritual things. As you read your Bible, the Word of God starts to... You, you remember that verse that, you're, that you've been reading. You remember that message that was spoken by a pastor or, or someone at conference. You remember that decision. You remember that, that maybe the choir song or the group song or something that is... That, that stands out, the Spirit will start to bring those things to mind and you start go over them in, in, in your heart and in your mind, you start thinking, you start singing. A new ambience takes place in your life. We don't need to be the, 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 the boring old drudgery Christian because the Spirit will, will bring forth a new ambience. A new, a new mindset of life will happen. Verse 20, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. A new attitude, a new attitude of, of, of giving thanks. I guess one of the, the evidences of a, of a spirit-filled Christian is they're thankful. They're not complaining about what they didn't get, but they're thankful about what they do get, what that God's given them. They're thankful for the opportunity that they've been given to serve in whatever capacity. They're thankful for the job that they currently have. They're thankful for the family that they've got. They're even thankful for the issues and the problems that they've got because 
God's in control of all things. If you're not a thankful person, then maybe the Spirit isn't as full as it, as it should be in your life, as He should be in your life, not it. The Spirit isn't as filling at the moment and that's something that, that needs to take place. Are you a thankful Christian? I know which of us would like to say we are, but really? When was the last time you thanked pastor or thanked someone here in church or thanked your, your family within your living where you live or your workplace or your work colleagues or your boss? Have you ever thanked your boss? Hey, boss, just want to say thank you for being my boss. He'll fall over backwards like, what are you talking about? just want to say I'm thankful for you. Try that and see what happens in the relationships at work. Those that make fun of you and stew you, hey guys, I just want to say thank you for being my work colleagues. What's wrong with this guy? He might, they might add more loopiness in, in, into the conversation. But being thankful is an evidence of a spirit-filled Christian, a new attitude. Verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God, and this is a new action. When we start to become spirit-filled, we start to become very permissive. It's not having my needs met. It's not about me having my decisions uh, lived out. But we start to submit unto one another. It's a new, whole new attitude, a whole new action. Can you imagine if, if people started, um, we can bring about world peace if we start submitting one to another. Can you imagine, I might even let Andrew sit in my seat over there one day if he ever wanted to sit there, if he ever wanted to. Um, but... Can you see the difference? Normally we live out our lives to try and get what we want, to get reach the top, no matter who, who gets hurt. We, we want to fleshly says, get what, um, get what we want. The new action, verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. That's when the Spirit's filled. And then the last thought is a very well-known thought about the, about the Spirit and then if we are spirit-filled, we will start to leave some fruit. And in Galatians 5, we'll just quickly turn there and read. I'm not going to go through all these things. I'm just going to read them because this is what should be evident in, in your life. Galatians 5, 22 and verse 23. But the fruit of the Spirit, remember we talked about if we're filled with Christ, we'll, we'll, we will bring forth some fruit. If you're filled with the Spirit, you'll bring forth some fruit as well. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. These are the sort of things that should be evident in our Christian life, not just towards each other, but towards those in our world as well. Those things should be seen. We actually should be a lot different enough to people to say, well, this, this guy's different than me. That's the sort of fruit. So, in summary, I don't normally do, I do summaries, but I'm going to give you a, a summary today. <clears throat> it is evident that the fullness of God is an ongoing process and has some constant uh, characteristics. The first, one, the first one is, if you're going to be filled with the fullness of God, there needs to be a life of faith. That's very clear. The belief and trust in the work of Christ in our lives that is totally foreign to the flesh, 
Without living by faith, the Bible tells us it's impossible to please God and faith will cause us to deny ourselves and to live contrary to what we would normally desire. All right, that's, that's first, first summary. Faith, if, you're not, if you can't be, if you don't, if you can't live in a life of faith, then you're not filled with Christ. Love was the second thing that I thought about these things. We are shown a new way of loving. We're encouraged to love others, even when they don't love us. As Christ has shown love to us, even when we don't deserve it, it reveals the type of love we need to have towards others. This is truly revealing as it shows where our hearts really are. Faith is one of those things we, we know and it's hard to live out, but love really is easy to live out. You either love or you don't. You either love like Christ or you don't. And so often, I know even in my own heart, sometimes it's hard to love the way Christ loves. But it, again, I'm a work in progress. And then the third, the third summary or the third outtake, whatever you want, faith, love, and then as we learnt in, in John, works. Things that are evident. Things that can be seen. Being filled has the ultimate goal of living out Christ in our lives. Good works are a result of living a spirit-filled life. There is usually external, external evidence of a spirit-filled life that others will either see or be the recipient of. For Christ's work of love on the cross was received by us at salvation. We become the recipient of Christ's work. So, 11.30, done a good time, I think, this morning. As I said, when I'm finished, I'm going to be finished, we're going to be done. Now you can go home and apply these things to your life. So I'm going to pray, and then we will sing a song that I thought about, and uh, we'll get maybe Becky up to get ready for that now. So I'm going to pray, and, and, and then I'll close. Lord, we're thankful for um, the time this morning about being filled with all the fullness of God. Lord, I know I'm very simple. I just pray that you would please just take what's been said. Help us to, I guess, digest it a little bit. May you bring a thought or a verse to people's mind even this afternoon or, or this week. And may something be grown or filled in the lives of each person today. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.